Hello everyone, good morning. Welcome to Christian Professionals Network. My name is Chimapala. I have the privilege of being the convener of this platform where we raise, train, teach excellent ethical Christian professionals who will not only rise but also thrive, take over their respective industries and workplaces by practically applying Bible-based principles to achieve tangible results. So, Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that I was actually supposed to share at last week's podcasts, but that did not happen. And now we are here today. And also to give you a heads up that um, by next week, it is very possible that next week will be our last podcast for this year before we go on break for Christmas and then resume later in the new year sometime around maybe anytime from second week of January. But we'll have podcasts this week. I can guarantee that we'll have our podcast this week. And by God's grace, um, hopefully the last one for the next year next year. Unless, of course, the Holy Spirit leads us otherwise. So today I'm going to be discussing something that I think is very important for professionals, more especially Christian professionals in the workplace. Especially, <coughs> excuse me, as you rise. So I'll start with this story. I know of someone who was being considered for a role, a job that I'm sure the person really desired and would have loved to get or have. And this person I'm talking about probably does not even know this story. Someone was telling me, basically, I know the person that was supposed to be the hiring manager at the time. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and... Basically, this person, among other people, were being considered for a role by the hiring manager for that role at the time. And because of the person that put this person's resume forward. So the person was shortlisted because, of course, as much as um, preferences of hiring managers tend to prevail in most cases for recruitment, there is also that place for qualification, eligibility, and to a large extent, merit and technical competency, among other things and factors that are considered. But what people don't know at times is, it's very easy for especially very intelligent or smart hiring managers to create, to logically justify an emotionally backed decision. I'm going to say that again. It's very easy, especially for very smart hiring managers, to logically justify an emotionally backed decision. What am I saying? So this person was telling me, I basically heard that that particular candidate would have been basically shortlisted to go further, maybe into the final three or top three, or even who knows, would have probably been considered for the role. But because of the person that had referred and put forward the person's CV, that did not happen because the person was concerned because of the nature of the relationship that the hiring manager had with the referrer, let me put it that way, the, ref the person that referred this can candidate's resume, this candidate does not know the hiring manager, at least directly in any way, unless maybe the person went to look up on LinkedIn and all that, but the candidate does not have any direct contact or had not had any direct um, contact with the hiring manager at the time. But the hiring manager made that call not to take the candidate forward, even after the candidate had been shortlisted, because 
of the person that referred that candidate. The referrer, I'll use that word for context sake, of the candidate was not necessarily trusted. Because it's not really about whether you're in a good place or whether the person likes you. At times, it's a case of trust. The referrer of that candidate was not a trusted colleague of the hiring manager. Therefore, the hiring manager had concerns that if this person is referring this person, and the referrer then was referring the candidate very strongly, probably based on experience. And I know that the referrer then was speaking very strongly to the candidate's experience, expertise, or just potential that the candidate had shown by engaging with them previously on a project or task or something unrelated, something she basically. But when I was basically hearing about it and I was just thinking, I was like, wow. The hiring manager made the call not to take that candidate forward primarily, primarily because of the person that referred that candidate. That person was not a trusted colleague of the hiring manager and the hiring manager had concerns that they do not want a mole or loyalty concerns in the team. I was like, what? So it was not even about the person's technical capacity to deliver or soft skills. It had not even gotten to that. The person made it to the shortlist, of course, the HR or the recruiters, the HR personnel handling the recruitment, shortlisted the candidate. The candidate's resume was actually put forward. But when it came to decide the top three or the top two or something, the hiring manager did not take that candidate forward. Not necessarily because the candidate was not the best or the best of the best, but because of who referred that candidate. It was a case of, can I trust this candidate? Am I about to bring in a mole into my team? Will I have loyalty concerns before we even get to the technical and the soft skill assessment? Will I have issues with this candidate because of the person that referred him or her? And it was now a case of, no. Beyond technical capacity and competency, I don't trust the referrer. As a result of that, I will not take the referee, if I'll put it that way. Basically, when I was hearing this, literally, I was like, wow. And I've heard a number of other stories, even outside the workplace, how someone probably would have been considered or would have had a better consideration for an opportunity or given access, but for the name they mentioned, because they thought the name was going to favor them. However, the name was at their detriment. So um, today I've been thinking of the title of this podcast. I'm like, should it be for people's sake or when to speak? Because there are sometimes mentioning someone that you know in a workplace, even, even in the situation where you are already in the system. It's not only for when you are being considered for a role. At times where you're also in the system and you mention to your line manager, I'm just giving an example, or a key stakeholder or someone that will sit in your appraisal about this budding and blossoming relationship you have with XYZ. It could be somebody in the system, it could be somebody outside the system. And you don't know if the two of them have had a grouch before or they have met themselves in their previous life, like we say in my country. 
you say in our slang, maybe they have jammed themselves before in their former life. And maybe that person that you are speaking of might be a mentor. It's even possible person might be a mentor to you. The person might have a great, you might have had a great experience with the person. You are now assuming that everybody else that knows or has encountered the person has the same experience. You are assuming wrong. It's possible that the person has left a sour taste in the mouth of that key stakeholder. And then, human beings being emotional as we are in our decision-making, we just find logical ways to back up our emotions, and it happens also in the workplace. Can now basically transfer the aggression, the sour taste, the lack of trust, the animosity, whatever it is, towards you. And guess what? They might never tell you. They might never tell you. I remember when I was going, there was a role I was going for. So typically for a while, for a long time, I think probably this recent role that I have is one of the roles, if not the only one, one of the few roles, I'd say, that I actually went through the interview and the recruitment process without doing mock sessions with my career mentor. Normally, whenever, at least in the past, especially as I was growing, I'm still growing, of course, but when I was much younger, when I'm going for roles, especially roles that I feel like, of course, I used to typically go for things that I feel that were bigger than me at the time because that's how you stretch and feel into it and grow. And I would typically, he would find out, he would find time and schedule mock sessions with me, ask me questions, play the devil's advocate, or just tell me what to expect in terms of executive engagement and all that. So we used to do that. And there was a role then that I was going for. And at times, he also asked me, so who is on the panel? Who is this? Who is that? I, I'll typically give him details I know. Because the career world can be big, but it can also be small. So in case it's someone he knows, he can tell me, okay, this is what to expect. This is what to expect. This is what you should do. But, <clears throat> excuse me, that's how a particular one, when I told him, oh, this is one of the key decision makers, he said, don't you dare mention that you know me. Because it will not be in your favor. Apparently, they had done a project together. Two different organizations, they had not worked together in the same organization, but they had done a project together and that project did not end well. Like, it ended very badly. And because he had to make some calls, he called them out. Basically, he, he ended very badly. Not because he is a bad person. I don't believe he's not. Not I don't believe he's not. I've known him for years. And the other person, it's not necessarily because that person is a bad person, but basically that project did not end well. And he left a very sad taste in this key decision maker's mouth. So he told me, whatever you do, do not mention that you know me. So, now let's come to Bible story. That's why I'm like, maybe we should title this when to speak. I was thinking of what people seek, but maybe when to speak. I will start with the story of Esther. Then we'll now move to the story of Mephibosheth. <laughs> that name. Let's do this. Now let's look at how this also applies or where this happened in the Bible, two scenarios, and I'm going to read through quickly. Esther chapter 2. So, of course, we know the story of Esther. If you are a CPN community member, you must know the story of Esther and Daniel because we have basically milked those two stories. And probably we still milk some more as the Holy Spirit keeps showing us things. But um, I'm just going to go straight to verse 7. I'll just read. I'm going to verse 10, really, but I'll just start from verse 7. Esther chapter 2 from verse 7, NIV translation. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman was who was also known as Esther had a lovely figure and was beautiful blah blah blah. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed many young women were brought in 
to the citadel of Susa and put under the care. So basically, she was considered for this role. Her qualifications were not the greatest. People had Ivy League qualifications. People had dukes and duchesses as mothers and fathers. People had cousins um, that were related, cousins to the throne, if I'd say that, cousins to royalty, friends to royalty, went to the same school royalty. And among the contestants, or should I say among the candidates, was one that had no father or mother. So she probably went to a school that to even get the accreditation of the school, you have to... <laughs> no, back then, one of my teachers used to say, when they want to teach someone about the quality of school, they went to say, he went to Akpele High School. So she probably went to a school that literally she would have to explain twice, the name twice, before people understand. And she was competing against people that had resumes from schools that needed no introduction. She was an orphan. And she was selected for a role in royalty, not a role, the role. Being a queen is the role. If you are one of the duchesses or one of the empress or all those things, it's a role. But the role is being a queen, literally. And she was an orphan competing against, against people that had been trained around or within palace ambience. Some of them probably even living already in the palace as a result of being cousin to the king, nephew to the king, niece to the queen, niece to the king's brothers, something. So already people that are likely were already connected to royalty or classmates with the king's daughter. They all play um, squash or tennis together. But this girl was not in that class. So basically she was in a different socioeconomic class. Very different. The gap was very wide. To start with, she was an orphan. So, you know, there's some places, at least in my country, there's some places you want to get access to. And the first thing they ask is, who's your father? Especially when it comes to politics. This one, she didn't even have a father. She didn't have a mother. She was an orphan. Some places, some children get access to some places because their father is a diplomat or an ambassador or a minister of this or a house or so-so-so member, whether it's house of commons or representatives or state house of assembly. This one had no parents. It's not even that her parents were poor. Who knows if her parents were poor? She had no, so basically she had zero connection. And she was competing for a role with people that had top connections, like the 1% of the 1%, like they say. So, what did her mentor tell her? We're going to verse 10. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her, basically drew her ear. See if you try it. He knew it was going to count against her. This is not the part where you start turning your grace to grass, I'll be grass to grace story. Oh, it will, um, oh, her mother died when she was still, her father died when she was still. That's nice for reality shows or talent TV shows. But, but I've got to say that, dude, come, this girl, this is a royalty, the role of royalty where the connections matter in how you are rated, how you are treated, and how you are considered. So it's better people are curious, since you cannot lie, because you're a Christian, you cannot lie that your mother is em empress, this, this, your father is emperor, X, Y, Z, or your father is the duke of X, Y, Z, or your mother is the duchess of this, or prince of this. That's not true. That would be a lie, and as Christians, you should not lie. He said, do not say a word. It's better to leave them curious, wondering, hmm, this girl, this Hadassah, this Esther, who's, whose child is she? Who's her father? Who's her mother? It's best to leave them curious than to tell them a sub-story or an unwanted 
grace, grass to grace. Is it grace to grass or grass to grace? Grass to grace or grass to anticipating grace because she had never entered grace then. She was still one of the contestants. Grass to anticipated grace story that can ruin your opportunity. So it was one of those times she needed to keep her mouth shut. Don't mention who you know. Don't reveal who you are because it will be used against you in this recruitment process. Don't reveal how much you are earning. The budget for the role is so wide. It's, it's such a huge gap from where you are coming from that it will be a very hard decision for any recruiter, no matter how good you are, to consider giving you what is really within budget. It will be very hard for them not to shortchange you. So there are sometimes you really keep quiet. There are sometimes you don't mention, you don't drop some names. There are sometimes it favors you. So it's not even really about whether the names are influential or not. I believe my mentor is quite influential and he has gained good, what's the word, um, not just traction, influence, and respect within his industry. But for that particular interview, he told me, don't you dare. Because when I mentioned the name of one of the kids, shall make, as he said, both of them have basically had a relationship or a professional relationship that ended badly. So there are high chances that she will transfer that aggression to me because human beings are emotional. We just find logical ways to back up our emotional decisions, even in the workplace, at times, a number of times. So this was one of those times. Mordecai warned her, say, don't try it. Where you are competing, the level at which you are competing, with whom you are competing, revealing your identity, revealing that, oh, yeah, Mordecai's, um, <laughs> Mordecai's charity case. I'm not trying to sound condescending, but I really hope that we get the point. will not favor you in this because you are competing against daughters of princes, princes, dukes, emperors, and empresses. I don't know if you understand what I mean. So it was one of those times she needed to keep her mouth shut so she does not shoot herself in the foot by who she is and who she knows. Now, let's see another situation or scenario where it, where it favored. And I've also been in a situation, now another practical story, where someone recruited someone for a role, literally fought tooth and nail to the hiring manager. I have basically, this one, I saw it live. This one is even closer to me. I've seen a hiring manager fight tooth and nail to hire someone that they had never worked with directly because of the person that referred them. Because the hiring manager has a great and had a great relationship and working experience with the referrer. So I've basically seen both of them play out. This one, very, very close to me. That person, literally the hiring manager, they had never worked together directly, but fought for this candidate all the way to the end and insisted on having that candidate on board for a very highly sought after role. Just primarily, of course, considering of the, the merit and all that, in addition to merit and ticking all the regular boxes. Because the truth is, those boxes for which people are being considered for recruitment, most times they're not the only one that ticks it though. Oh, as masters, as double masters, somebody has somebody else, somebody has it, has experience in XYZ. Somebody, you're not the only one. So really think of it. What else beyond the job description is the criteria for selection? Because when you now have a case where you have at least five candidates that tick all the boxes, what do you do? In most cases, in and in, in, in it's usually unspoken and subtle, other factors start playing out. Like, and it varies across different organizations and different recruitment processes. But I can tell you that in a number of cases also, who referred who, who whispered into whose ear also tends to play out. Like I said, I've seen the two scenarios play out. So the other candidate that was not selected was not even considered for beyond 
the level where the resume had been submitted to HR because of who referred that candidate. While in the case of this particular candidate, the hiring manager took it on because the person also ticked the boxes and it was not a case of preference over others that tick the boxes. Because when you have more than one person that ticks the box, you have to now consider other factors. And it was one of the primary drivers, or should I say distinguishing factor for that candidate was who referred that candidate to the referrer because of the great relationship and experience that they had, the, the hiring manager had had. So let me read you also another story from the Bible. It's almost time to wrap up this. Um, Second Samuel chapter 9 from verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? For what? For Jonathan's sake. This is not about Saul, because Saul was a wicked line manager. He was a toxic somebody. But he says for Jonathan, Jonathan was literally his covenant brother. Jonathan put his own self on the line for him. So it's a case of, is there anybody related to Jonathan that I can give this role? It, it was not even, a, this one, David was not even, the nepotism, he wasn't even hiding it. I mean, no, not nepotism, because not directly related. The favoritism, he was unapologetic about it because of the position that he occupied was the king. Who wants to question the king? And he said, is there anybody? So was a horrible line manager to him. But he said, is there anybody left in the house or lineage of Saul? So I can show them favor. For whose sake? For Jonathan's sake. This is the time here. Eh? <laughs> if you are related to Jonathan, <laughs> you best be related. Even if you are his distant cousins by 10 generations, the favor will reach you. Because of the tastes Jonathan, indelible mark and taste that Jonathan had left in David's mouth. So this is a good time to speak. That's how I was contemplating what I should title to this, when to speak or for people's sake. For Esther's time, it was not a good time to speak. Nope, femme, 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 femme. Keep it sealed, leave people curious, get the job when it no longer matters. After a while, Esther really revealed she was a Jew. In fact, her revelation of her identity saved her people. But if she had done it at that inception, when she was still being considered against daughters of princes and probably maybe neighboring um, queens, daughters of queens and kings of neighboring countries. He wouldn't have, you know, for favor, he would likely not have favored her. But by the time she eventually got the role, she revealed identity and God even used it to save her people. But this one, this David and Mephibosheth case, was a case of if you are related to Jonathan by the 10th generation, you are better be screaming it loud because the favor will reach you. So you should know in the workplace, in your career, especially this period, you know, you know, appraisals, know when to drop names, know when to drop experiences, know when to drop relationships, as in terms of name dropping, name calling. That the, fa the fact that name is important does not mean that you necessarily favor you. The fact that the experience was great does not mean that it will count for you. So you must lean on the Holy Spirit to let you know when to keep quiet. Say, shh, shh, don't talk. Because there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that you don't know. You don't know if the decision maker has had a bad experience with your boss. You now go quickly and now be singing the boss's praises. Nobody says you should speak evil or talk down on your boss to win or curry favor. No. But that sometimes it's just best to keep quiet and leave them wondering and curious. And that sometimes they tell you, you know what? Shout this out to the mountaintop. There's David here, your feeble shit. Or you'll be talking to favor you. So you must lean on the Holy Spirit because I can't even tell you categorically through this podcast. So this is when to speak this one. No. The Holy Spirit, you, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. Imagine if I was not, if I didn't do that mock with my mentor, 
that mock preparation. I believe it's the Holy Spirit that just led him to ask. Hey, so who are those? He typically does, always asks, who are those, who are the stakeholders you'll be engaging? When I just mentioned, he just said, don't you dare that this person, they had a professional relationship that did not end well. Because we're dealing with human beings. People are not perfect. There's conflict too, even among the best of people. So you don't want to be caught in the crossfire professionally. There are some people that once they mark you, it can't be good. Like literally, it, it can be a human situation. So best avoid it if you can. So I'll just finish up. The so the story share basically somebody came and spoke and said there's a someone and verse um so yeah now there was a servant of Saul. I'll just continue verse two. Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Like, I, can, I could really go into this, but we don't have time. Already almost five minutes over, so let me wrap it up. It says, At your service, the king said, Is there still, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's, God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame on both feet. So this person was not even qualified. This one was a pure case, unapologetic case of favoritism because of whom Mephibosheth is connected to. He was lame on both feet. Normally, I don't think that they used to allow people with living with disabilities back in those days to serve in the king's palace. It was a big deal to serve in the king's palace. But this one was a pure case of unapologetic, blatant favoritism because of whom Bushet was connected or is connected to. And he said, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of blah, 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 blah. So King David brought, had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maki, when Mephibosheth's son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. So his grandfather was toxic, but for his father's sake, David decided not to count all those things. And David was very good in remembering relationship because even though Saul was toxic to him as a boss, he also remembered that Saul was instrumental to him rising to the throne, no matter how much he fought it. If he didn't give him that spare to fight Goliath, his journey to the throne probably would not have started as quickly as it did. So he probably also, who knows, looked at it from that perspective. So at times you might have had toxic bosses, but if you look back, if they didn't do what they did, if they didn't push you the way they did, you will not be where you are. I can say that for free. Like, I could dissect this story in several ways, but let's just keep going so we can wrap up. There are some bosses I look back and I'm grateful for. Even though at the time I felt like they were mean to me, I'm like, if they didn't do that, I don't know if I would be here. So don't ever forget, always be reflective, remember, and stay grateful especially at this time of the year, while you're doing your appraisals, while you're doing your reviews, be intentional to remember and to stay grateful. For different, Bible says in all things, not necessarily for all things, like in all things, in spite and regardless and despite, always, always give thanks because God keeps packaging everything to work out for your good. Your great experiences, your toxic experiences, your hectic bosses, your kind bosses. If you had, at times, kind bosses all through your journey, who knows if you have been career sport, but I don't know, I'm just saying, I, I've had bosses that have really stretched, pushed, and, and what's the word now? <laughs> they suffered my life at the time in Nigerian lingo, but I am grateful for how far God has brought me, and for where I am, and the experiences that has, he has used to mold me into the professional that I am, and of course, I'm grateful for where I am, and the people that I am both working and engaging with at this phase, stage, and time of my life, so yeah. Is a combination of experiences. So I feel like David also had to add that to the consideration. So he says, David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. 
Verse 7, that's where I'm going. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. For who? For the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather. So, so your fa- grandfather was toxic, but your father's kindness has overshadowed and overridden that. And you will always eat at my table. Back then, if I'm correct, people living with disabilities were not even allowed to come near the king's table, let alone eat at the table. But this one, Mephibosheth had forever access to the most important table in the kingdom just because of who he knew, just because of who he was connected to, just because of the fact that he was related to Jonathan. Even though, although his grandfather was toxic, he said they will restore everything. So this one was a pure case of favoritism, recruitment without any apology. Mephibosheth was not qualified. This was not even a case of, okay, we have top three candidates that are qualified. Who can we now pick based on personal preference? No, 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 no. This one, he was not qualified in any capacity by the standards back then of how people were recruited into the king's um, offices. But this one, he got a forever access and he got compensation way beyond what he deserved for his, in quotes, back then, that's back then, of course not now, status, because of the name, the contact, the access, the relationship that he had with Jonathan. So you should know when to speak. You should know when to make references. And guess what? The only way you can know and you can always be apt and spot on is if you have the Holy Spirit leading you. Because guess what? Jonathan was not necessarily, like, he never made the throne. So ideally, there's any name he should have been dropping, looking at it by human standards. He should have been saw, oh, grandson of the former king of Israel. But the former king of Israel was very toxic to David. It's the Jonathan that never made the throne that literally, literally, virtually laid down his life for him. So let the Holy Spirit guide you on when to speak. I hope this has blessed someone and I'm wishing you a great rest of the week. And we will speak and connect again next week and hopefully might be the last one for this year. Until next year, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And please know when to speak. Know what to speak and when to drop whether names, experiences, or relationships, especially this period of appraisal. Have a blessed rest of the week. Bye.